Good evening, everyone, and welcome to In the Know with Kat Bobineau. Today, my extra special guest is Dr. Robert Joseph, PhD of data science, computer science, an educator, an entrepreneur, a gym fellow alumni, and above all else, a father. He's also the co-founder of Team Mindshift and former director and senior data scientist at Stanley Black & Decker. So welcome to the show, Dr. Joseph. Thank you. It's, I am so happy to be here. And I appreciate it. So we got the opportunity to meet in Georgia during the Space Science Week. And I had an amazing time during Space Week, and I was so glad to uh, get a chance to meet you. So what brought you to Space Week? Well, I was on the thesis committee with uh, Dr. Ballinger uh, mm -hmm. for a person that I think very highly of. And from those conversations, uh, Dr. Ballinger was actually at Mercer uh, University and then had switched to um, be a part of Morehouse, or I'm sure either Morehouse or Clark Atlanta, but he is also in the AU Center's Data Science Consortium. And, okay. uh, and he told me about it and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And at that conference, it was really amazing to see the excitement of the students um, with you there bringing in the astronaut and hearing her story was amazing. And also I got to meet some great people as yourself and other people that are, are doing things in the community and making a difference. So I am, glad that I heard about it and and got there. And it's so funny too, because my trip there, there was a lot of traffic. There was a parade going on uh -huh. that cut off the street. And so <laughs> I'm trying to get to this event and I'm having to take these side streets. And I didn't know that area of the city that well. So I'm going down alleys and going around and found a cop and asked him, hey, how do I get there? And he gave me directions on how to get there. And so I made it. So that was my adventure for the day. Yeah, I don't know if they realized that it was gonna be a homecoming, it was gonna be parade, it was gonna be a whole bunch of stuff happening the same day. No, I don't think, when I talk with uh, Dr. Ballinger, he's like, yeah, <laughs> they didn't publicize that. Um, but the really great thing was that the turnout was really good. The uh -huh. students were there and there were um, people that were from the different universities that also came and helped with explaining it to the the kids. So it was it was really a great event. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to go and see how things were ran and, you know, hopefully be able to bring some of that back to my area. So oh, um, you take hopefully out. You can. And you <laughs> and you're doing great in your area when I heard about all the wonderful things that you were doing. So well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so anyone listening to this later, we are live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, if you have if you are listening now, you have questions or comments, please put them in the chat. I see the Black Math Academy is here saying hello. So hello, thank you for joining us. Um and we're gonna go back to Dr. Joseph. So data science is such a buzzword right now. Can you tell me more about what data science is? Yes. So it is a term that people use for a lot of different things. The way I think about it is the ability to take data and do something useful with it either to take data and understand more about a particular situation or more about a particular thing that you're looking at, as well as having data to help with having systems being more, solving problems more like human beings do, whether it's self-driving cars, whether it's talking phones, <laughs> whether it's <laughs> you know, just doing diagnostics, whether it's really doing facial recognition, there's so many places in which 
data science and underneath that the study of artificial intelligence or data analytics or other types of of techniques in order to really have data be a service to your job or what it is that you're trying to accomplish right so you know we're hearing a lot more about it and i think people are starting to understand like you can take all of these numbers you can take all this data and make a picture out of it you know and, and make a plan but you know you've been doing it for a while right so that's before it was a buzzword how did you get into it oh well if we go way way back when i was an undergrad at mit i wanted to be first a physicist and i took calculus for physics majors and said, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's way too hard. And it was it was really abstract. So it took physics and added calculus to it. And I had calculus in high school. And so I was like, oh yeah, I got this. But then in physics, there were times in which you just dropped off a part of the equation because of the physics of it. You know, when you get close to, you know, relativity then certain things drop out and all of these other things and so i thought when am i ever going to use this so i went to electrical engineering mm. and then in doing electrical engineering they have you take a ai course that was a, a curriculum that was part of that and i took this ai course from uh patton uh patrick winston who was a phenomenal person in the field and i remember it saying that is so interesting i want to do that so I finished up with my degree in electrical engineering and then decided to go for a PhD in computer science. Mm -hmm. And at Carnegie Mellon, I was working with another giant in the field, Jaime Carbonell, in the field of artificial intelligence when artificial intelligence was almost cool. <laughs> now it's really cool. Right. And that's when I first got my, my taste of it and really liked it. And from that built a, one of the things that we built was a piano tutoring system that taught people how to play the piano without human intervention. And that was really cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is really cool. And, uh, ooh, okay. I have questions for you, but it seems like black math Academy got more questions for you than I do. So let, let's see if we can answer some. Uh, so I think we, we talked about being, what is, what is a data scientist? But um, how are your Microsoft Excel skills? Oh, mad skills. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's interesting. Microsoft is really a great piece of software. And I was watching a TED talk, I think, by the from the person that actually developed Lotus Notes, or not Lotus Notes, but uh, Lotus Spreadsheets or whatever the spreadsheets were before Microsoft bought the rights and created Excel spreadsheets. And the concept of being able to organize things in the grid and put information in a cell that you could, could you could use was very revolutionary and still today is very important. And the thing about Microsoft Excel is that they've extended in so many different ways. So you can create not just spreadsheets, but you can pre create formulas behind those spreadsheets uh -huh. that really do a number of things that are more than just a spreadsheet. So yeah, if you need help with Microsoft Excel, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Well, I will need help because all I know how to do is put numbers in and that's it. That's all. I, I don't do the formulas. I know it can be done. I've done it before, but nah, yep. not my cup of tea. Um, let me give a shout out to my cousins, Ushan and Sylvia. Hey, thanks for joining. Um, another question from the Black Math Academy. I'm not sure if I'm how to read it. IHAT company is leading the league in data science. Have you heard of IHAT? Oh, they might be saying what company is leading? Oh, the what company is leading the league in data science? Ah, there are a lot of different people that are doing data science initiatives. And there, so for instance, driverless cars, <laughs> there's a lot of data science in that. And, you know, Tesla is one of the companies that is known for their cars. Then mm -hmm. you've got, you know, robotics 
and there's uh, Boston Dynamics has a robotic dog, and they were bought Boston Dynamics, I think, was bought by another company. But that's a company that has kind of the the corner market on, on that. And then you have some open source activities that are also pushing the envelope in terms of data science. You've got a lot of routines that Facebook has created and given as open source that are being used in some aspects of data science that makes it more no code, low code type of thing. And mm. so the, the list goes on. If you are interested in the technology that's leading in data science, I would say pick an area that you are interested in. So if you're interested in, you know, speech to text, then look at the different companies that are doing that, you know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and mm -hmm. seeing what technologies out there and how you can utilize those technologies. Because the really cool thing is, for instance, for Alexa, uh, don't say anything, Alexa, <laughs> but for that sort of component, you can actually write skills that allow you to utilize that platform to do some interesting things. And there are a number of people that have done that. So, you know, if you're interested in that, go go after and see see what's there and figure out how to, to get involved in it. Well, I know the Black Math Academy is pushing more teens, more more people into to math, which is probably why they have all these questions. But yeah, definitely, if you want to know more, this is the person to ask. And um, so he also said, "Calc and physics sounds like Stephen Hawking's type stuff." Probably it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, you know, the the really interesting thing is that a lot of physics is math and calculus uh because you're you're talking about the physical world and how to model that physical world in a way that allows you to make queries into that physical world and to make assumptions into that physical world and to get some insight into that physical world and math is the language that is used to model that and it's a very strong language and uh, calculus is just one technique that's used in physics Wow. All right. I think he's taking over my whole podcast. Um, is taking the human element out of the equation wise? Ah, very interesting because there was a study done between a chess playing computer, a person playing chess, mm -hmm. and a combination of people and computer playing chess. And the people with the computer beat out the computer alone and beat out the person playing it. So it's not the case always that you take a human element out of the equation, depending on where you put the equation and what it is that you're looking at. So for example, you know, when there was a transition from horses to cars, people were like, cars will never catch on. <laughs> and people wanted to, and people said, you know, I understand a horse, I feed a horse, I know how a horse works, but cars are a little bit more complicated. Well, you can still use a car and not know how to break down an engine, but you're getting yep. from point A to point B, and that is a human decision. Again, when you talk about driverless cars, they're not just driving on their own, they're being you know, controlled by human beings saying go from point A to point B. And so there is, I think, a human element that is in play there. And you can, at least you know, currently, you can turn it off and then not use it. So there are times in which for some of the jobs that are redundant and are hazardous, having the human out of the equation, or at least that part of the equation might be a good thing. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, I'm trying, it, it was some sort of science project someone had did, but it was sending a robot into a fire with this box that can kind of explode with foam. 
and contain yeah. the fire without, you know, firefighters having to go in and risk their lives. So yeah. that it reminds me of that, you know, it's still a human element, still got to have a human behind the, the thing, but you also have a robot who knows where to go, what to do, and to release the foam in the fire. Yep. Okay. Yep, okay. Exactly. So is anyone using data science for nefarious purposes? Absolutely. <laughs> so, data science is a technology like any other technology. And you have people that are using technology for good, people that are using technology for eh, not sure not if it's so good. good or bad, the gray area, and people that are using technology for what I would say is evil. And so technology and data science especially is a very powerful tool. And so if somebody has a criminal mindset, the techniques and technology that data science unlocks can be used and directed at people in a bad way. Mm -hmm. By the same token, data science can be used for good and helping to save lives and helping to diagnose uh, health issues that are undetectable by just human beings. And the list goes on and on and on. And then there are the gray areas. And that's where people really need to understand the power of data science uh -huh. and some of the pitfalls of data science. And so some of them are you know, I, I have the saying, just, or not my saying, but you hear it all the time. Just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should do, you should do it. Right, right, right. I totally agree. And, and there's so many, I mean, I feel like anything that we do can be used in a bad way. You know, even yeah. curing cancer, you find a cure for cancer, somebody is going to use it to exploit people, try to take money from people. It's just, it doesn't, unfortunately, there's always going to be nefarious people willing to take something good and make it bad. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a small answer to the next question, which was, which is what sectors or companies are paying big bread for data science expertise? So let me start with one of the reasons that I was able to go to Georgia for the World Space Week um, with the Heinz Family Foundation is because they got a proclamation or they, and they were mentioned when Kamala Harris came to Oakland and she was talking about the future and the future is space and data science. So that's on the official White House website. They really are putting money behind space and data science. So it's everywhere. And it's like all kinds of companies are using it. And I even went to Salesforce, uh, Dreamforce, which is their conference. And one of the big things that Mark Benioff was talking about is using data science now for carbon footprinting. So all the companies that's using uh, Salesforce that are using trucks or any type of, or planes or using anything to move product, they want to use data science to monitor their carbon footprint. And that's, you know, Salesforce is huge. So you can answer the question too, Dr. Joseph, but I will say, Data science is being bought in and, and big bread is being used across the spectrum. Yeah. Um, another way of looking at it, and I, thank you for saying all the things you said, because it is throughout all sectors. Another way of looking at it is from the standpoint of what companies have money that they want to keep? <laughs> <laughs> what companies are doing processes that they want to get better at what company is are what companies are making decisions that if they had more insight to make better decisions meaning to make decisions that give them even more revenue that they want to take advantage of when you start to look at things from that perspective then you start to see that data science can be used in any sector that you can think of anything from you know skateboard companies to 
you know, restaurants and eateries to, you know, people that make ping pong balls. <laughs> you know, there's all <laughs> sorts of ways in which data science can help give the company an insight into how to better make their products, improve efficiency of their products, make better decisions, help their customers to to buy the things that they want to buy or that they might be interested in buying, et cetera, et cetera. Right, exactly. Thank you for that. Um, what math do you use in your work? And what math classes or concepts really helped master it? Interesting. So there's a number of different directions to answer that question because one of the things that we are doing in my work is creating a tutoring tool for helping to teach math. So there are a lot of math concepts that we're explaining and building out in the, the tool, as well as creating an environment for having culturally relevant math taught. So that's one area. The other area is that math is a great environment for learning how to problem solve. And so in going through school and taking math courses, the math thinking and that math mindset of being able to say, one, I'm okay with not knowing the answer to this question before mm. I start trying to solve it. I'm okay with going down a path in math that may be not the right path to the solution, but I can try that path. And if that path doesn't work, I can go down another path. And I'm okay with taking a step towards a solution and not having it all solved at one time and not seeing exactly what the solution is, but then taking another step and taking another step and taking another step. That environment of math and that mindset of being able to think through those different things and break the problem down into smaller chunks and solve them the one problem at a time, I use every day in mm. making business decisions, in making life decisions, in making decisions about how to interact with my kids. You know, it's just prevalent all over. <clears throat> I needed that that pep talk when I was in college taking chemistry and physics and the math and that because uh, <laughs> you throw some letters up in there and I got to remember Agrav's number and all that stuff. Woo, okay. I needed that yep. type of pep talk then because it was over my head. <laughs> All right. Um, what was what's your experience like as a can't even read? What's your experience like as a black man in this field? Oh, that's a good question. So tell a story. Mm -hmm. My view about life is that life is built on relationships mm -hmm. and that relationships are not just about a one-way street. So when I went to CMU, I was the only black male in the computer science department. Mm. And I had a great time. <laughs> it was actually an easy overall experience for me. When I got there, my goal was that education is a team sport. And when I say a team, I would go to my fellow grad students and talk with them about what they were working on. And look at what they were trying to accomplish and help them with accomplishing that. I would go to the front office and talk with the people in the front office and 
see what they were working on, what they were trying to accomplish. And I would tell them, I said, you know, hey, I'm a grad student here. If you're looking for insight from a student perspective, please, you know, let's talk. And I would just stop by and say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? You know, what are, and, and getting to know them. I was, my office was right across from the person that dealt with finance at CMU. And we, he liked basketball. I liked basketball. We'd go and play basketball during lunchtime. Now, it was all about building relationships. I didn't have any notion of, hey, I'm going to use this person for this or I'm going to use this person for that. When I would, when I picked my advisor, I picked my advisor and I said, I am here to help you and get guidance from you to help me. And so when he asked for somebody to do a particular project, I said, hey, I'll do that. I learned from it and I helped him to be successful and he helped me to be successful. Now, while I was at CMU, I was able to buy a house. I was able to get my pilot's license. I was able to get certified at scuba diving. I would go at noontime and play basketball. Wow. I would go skiing. I had a blast. I also worked very hard. <laughs> I also <laughs> put in my time. And I also went outside of just CMU and met people in the community. I made a good friend of somebody and I was doing consulting work um, with doing publishing. <laughs> so I actually worked on a newsletter that we published. This was when the software was PageBaker at the time the, the for publishing <laughs> newsletters and went to a program to learn about how to bid on printing. And so we would, it was a, a firm that did recruitment. And so, you know, as a person in the data science arena, I approach things from the standpoint of how can I make the world a better place and how can I help the people around me to make it better? <clears throat> that's, that's an amazing thought process. And I feel like if more people adopted that type of um, mindset that we can accomplish more. So, you know, I don't know about you, but the way I was raised was go to school, get the diploma, get the degree, get the job, work, that's it, you know, and not the, the idea of finding a mentor or, you know, doing projects. You, so there was really no one in uh, my household, except for maybe my mom, who ever did research. And so that wasn't a big thing of how do you do research? What is research? Until I went to college. And quite honestly, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was really saw what it's like to have a mentor, to meet people, to just talk to random folks and be like, hey, this is who I am, who you are. And when someone knows you, likes you, sees what you're doing, then they open doors for you that you didn't even know was even possible. So I think that letting the future generation know that it's you know, a closed mouth is not going to get fed. Just going out, talking with people, offering up yourself as well as taking it in and what you can learn is very important. Yeah. And what I really like about me getting to know you is to also see how you are giving back and how you are, you know, developing programs to put yourself in front of younger people of you know BIPOC people and saying, hey, these are some of the things that I learned that I want you to learn earlier on so that you can be the best that you can be. So right. yeah, you're not only <laughs> talking the talk, but you're walking the walk too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, hey, DJ, I'm glad you joined. Uh, thank you for joining. She says you're an amazing person, by the way. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> And um, so Black Math Academy didn't ask like 20 million questions, but if you have more questions, put them in the chat. We're going to keep going with Dr. Joseph. And 
we kind of started off about your education, MIT, Carnegie Mellon, part Carnegie Mellon. But um, is that what you initially wanted to do, going to physics, going to MIT? Was that always like in high school what you wanted to do, or in high school did you have a different thought process, different dream? I always knew I wanted to go into technology. Okay. I was the kind of kid that so I'm going to date myself. For the people that are listening that are are younger, there used to be this thing called an encyclopedia. <laughs> it actually used to be a book. <laughs> and and you would and your parents would buy these there'd be people that would go to your door and sell these encyclopedias. And World what was Book it, like, like almost 20 books. Yes. And World Book Encyclopedia was the one that we had. And every uh, year they would send an update to them. And so I would read mm -hmm. these. You know, I was the one that would read them. And I remember earlier on, I would work on diagrams for a space station and the hydroponics area and all this. I was a big Star Trek fan. So I was, I knew I wanted to do technology. When I was a junior in high school, I took a physics class, summer class, and it was really great. It was one that was taught by, I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, and it was, there was a, a university there. And one of the university professors uh, taught this summer, summer class, and we actually got to program the gravitational pull of, of Jupiter, I think, on uh, a comet that was going by and we did it in Fortran using again dating myself punch cards <laughs> and I thought that was really cool mm -hmm. and when it came time for me to go to school I asked him what are some of the good great schools that were there a little bit about my background I grew up right across from the projects so I you know was and now these were the projects in Pensacola, Florida. But I went to school at a private school and I was the first black kid at that school. And my mom um, took me to that school as well as we became a member of that church. And so the person that was the university professor was a member of that church and was a white guy. Um, and became a friend and we would talk and I, I asked him what was a good school to come by, to go to. And he said, you know, RPI, he said MIT, he said, um, I think Duke, and these were for, for physics. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thank, cause I had never heard of MIT. And I'm so thank thankfully said that because then when I went to, to tour campuses, uh, I liked MIT, I went, I went to MIT's campus and my parents let me go by myself. I was a high school student and let me go to, to Boston. I remember going in on the campus and I managed to talk with the basketball coach and the basketball coach was like, hey, cause I played basketball in high school. He said, hey, you should, you know, you wanna just shoot around and I shot around and turned, I made the varsity team and played basketball at MIT for the, the time I was there. Okay. So I tell people that, you know, I'm a college basketball player, you know, and then that's followed by, you know, MIT was not known for their basketball. <laughs> I don't think but, they still known for their basketball. No, they're not. Well, Division three, they, they, you know, we were, we were pretty good. We held our own, but you know, we weren't, we weren't uh, being shown on the TV. Um, but I, I say all that to say that all my life I'd been interested in technology. And because of talking with people, because of creating relationships, because of being inquisitive, I was able to understand some of the unwritten rules, some of the things that were going on that I didn't know about. And that is the importance of, I think, relationships mm -hmm. and being open to telling people what you're up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, that's the entire reason I got to meet you. You know, it's people I've talked with say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. And, oh, you want to come to Georgia? Yes. Yes, I do. So, you know, just yep. being there, being, talking to people, telling them who you are, what you do, what you work on. And 
people are interested in that. I think, yes. you know. All right. And, so, uh, mm -hmm. and as a person, I make it a point to ask. So when we first met, you know, I was very much, you know, what do you do? And you started telling me about what you did. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. How do you do that? What are some of the the things that you're trying to accomplish? And then you mm -hmm. started telling me about all this. And you told me about the radio show and how you reach out to people to give them exposure to, to other professionals that give them some more insight. And I said, oh, if you're looking for somebody, I'd love to do your radio show. So mm -hmm. it really is about you know, being into other people. Absolutely. Yep. And just being able to speak and, and talk about their interests as well. You know, yep. in my nine to five, that's one of the classes I teach is communications. And it's like, how do you talk to people? How do you present yourself? But also, how are you listening to people? You know, and are you thinking about dinner when somebody's talking or are you <laughs> actually, you know, <laughs> paying attention and, you know, really listening to what they're saying. So yes, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, the Black Math Academy has come back with some questions. Let's see. I see in your bio that you have a patent for a DJ system. Do you spin the ones and twos? <laughs> no, I don't. And the it's very interesting that DJ system was for allowing DJs that were virtual to create a set of music and talk and then have that set be you know a two-hour set that then gets sent to a internet radio station that then integrates with that radio station so that the djs didn't have to be actually at the particular location at the time and this was done back in the early 2000s so okay it was more virtual was as big a thing as it is now gotcha um, uh, i've actually looked at uh some of the the you know they now have apps that you can put on your phone that allow you to play around with scratching mm -hmm. and, and mixing and stuff like that and so i played around with it uh but i love to listen to it okay so uh the apps that are now out there or because of COVID, we've seen a lot of virtual things. Is your patent being used for this? System? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> no, it right. was for, um, there was a company that was um, created by this uh, black woman who uh, created a company called Freshwater Software and mm -hmm. ended up uh, in five years selling that company to uh, Mercury for $147 million. Um, and then she took uh, uh, some of that money and created a institution where it was surrounding gospel music. And she was a friend of mine and also um, hired me to build this, this system. And then she, you know, uh, is on the patent and she said, hey, let's get a patent for this. And so- okay was she was doing an internet radio uh, show at the time um but that uh was that was a while ago so she has <laughs> since moved on and doing some amazing things now right right i think i tried to reach out to her but she didn't respond to me so I'll uh, to don't, do it again. don't take it personally she's she is she's swamped busy. yeah, yeah she's, she's busy. got like 10 different projects <clears throat> Yeah, one of them is, and I should mention this, is that we've partnered with with them on doing um, drone training, in which uh, really teaching people how to um, build uh, or to take not knowing anything about drones to being able to uh, get your FAA 107 license, learn how to pilot a drone, and use it for making money, whether you're inspecting towers or using it for agriculture or using it in marine uh, exploration or all, all sorts of other stuff. So. Okay. Okay. That's, that's pretty dope. Um, looks like the black math Academy, you know, is comparing himself to you. You know, he was a college athlete and DJed in college. Okay. Black math Academy. We see you. <laughs> He's like, okay, cool. Okay, um, he also asked, what 
computer coding languages are you familiar with and which do you prefer? <laughs> when I think of coding, I look at it as more of a, what am I trying to do? And then using the appropriate language for what I need to do. So I've actually coded projects uh, behind me. There are all these coding books uh, and I'm looking at, you know, Java, JavaScript, PHP, Python, Fortran, Pascal, Perl, Bash, and the list goes on and on, C, C++, all of those languages. And they all have a lot in common. Um, so for example, just the other day, I was programming something in Python in order to be able to take a list of things and do some matching with it. And that was for a farming application that I was working on. That same day, I was also programming in PHP and MySQL for a website that we're developing or that we've developed for. It's called dcwitness.org. And we developed that website and it actually uh, um, tracks homicides in the DC area and then displays that information publicly so that the general public can know what's going on. And we just added a notification system to that, that website where you can sign up and it'll send you a text or it'll send you an email if the case that you're following has changed like a new post about that case or you've gotten a a, a court appearance has appeared uh, about that case and then uh and so it really is dependent on what it is that i'm trying to do and what you know company i'm i'm working for and there's a lot of scripting that's out there too that I've programmed in, so. Wow, okay. Um, I see my cousin Greg, he has a, he wrote a lot. And I wanna just kind of break it down a little bit, which is, hello, Dr. Joseph. I felt alone academically in college playing football and he would go to the study hall for athletes which in the evening, which was a joke because they didn't really get one. But he discovered in college that in some of his higher math classes like calculus and trig, I noticed when I went to the library and found a quiet corner to study, there were some of the most advanced Asian students conducting study class for basically a class of other Asians that wasn't as elite. And when he tried to do it for black students, there was basically no trust and no sharing of answers and no way of seeing, showing how they got. It was like they were scared to uh, if everybody got all A's, that would be cheating. Mm. So um, I guess more more of a comment than a question. But I think, again, it depends on what school you go to and how you interact. You know, um, for me, I went to an HBCU, so we shared with each other. You know, PWI, I feel like everyone has a different experience. And, you know, what... And you can speak on it too, but I feel like what you had said earlier is basically didn't matter the color of your skin. I'm talking to you anyway, and you know maybe you can help me. I can help you. Um, yeah. Let me first say that I I hear you, and I'm sorry that you had that kind of college experience. Um, there are a number of people that um, I've I've heard that have had you know a college experience that hasn't been. Um, uh, as as fun or as rewarding as it might have been. The advice that I'd give, and I know that you're not asking for advice, um, and so I am doing this just to talk about at least my my thoughts about moving forward. And that advice is that the past is the past and it has been what happened and going forward i would advise taking on using the future to set the future that you want and not having the past dictate that future 
-hmm. And so if you want a future in which you are being more collaborative with people, then look for the people that you can collaborate with. And collaboration takes trust. It takes mm -hmm. sometimes being vulnerable. And it also takes sometimes being in situations that may not yield what it is that you want, but still coming back and continuing on. So when I talk with people, I listen for what they are trying to accomplish. I also think about what I'm trying to accomplish and see if there are any common grounds and then start exploring opportunities that may be in line with what we're both trying to accomplish. And that's how I start to set up collaborations. Case in point, our discussion now, because when I was talking with you and understanding what your goals are, and your goals are to help underrepresented students and people to have opportunities that you know about and can help them to reach that they might not know about. And that is very much in line with some of the things that we're doing and some of the things that my company's about. And so my conversation with you was around understanding more about what you were looking at, understanding more about what are the kinds of things that you are looking to accomplish, and then offering up what I can do to help you do the things that you want to do. And that conversation created this conversation that we're having now, as well as opportunities that I see that we can take advantage of in the future as we understand more and more about where we are are looking to go. Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. Thank you for that answer. That's, that was a great, great response. And um, I'm just going to throw out there for those who are listening currently, I share opportunities that I see that I get on Facebook on Facebook. So if you have an undergrad that's interested in any type of marine science, ocean science, even climate. Um, STEM Seas, which is a program I've done before, is doing, they're offering undergrad students to sail on a research vessel from Greece to France, or Greece to Paris, I think. No, Greece to Spain in February. So, of course, you're going to need a passport, or but if you want to do that, I know who runs that program. And Nautilus, Nautilus Live Ocean Exploration Trust, they have a program for students and educators to learn about ocean science, remotely operated vehicles, engineering, video. So like these are the, the programs I, that I always see and I always get on my social media or people send to me that I want to see more kids of color taking advantage of. You know, because I've been on that those trips. I've seen those trips. I've been with those people who run it. And, you know, it's me and maybe one other Black person <laughs> in the whole group. So, you know, I want to see more kids of color get those opportunities to travel, to meet new people, meet scientists in the field, and just see what it's like to do those types of programs. So, yeah, I'll just throw that out there. Um. The next question we have from the Black Math Academy, how have you taken to fatherhood? Particularly as someone who's a major STEM head, do you have high expectations for them? Do they mimic you? <laughs> I, I laugh because uh, my, my kids are great. And I do have high expectations. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a story. I was talking with my youngest son one day and my youngest son is is very inquisitive. He's now, in, my, both of my kids are in college now, and I'll tell you a little bit about their college careers so far. But my youngest son was maybe, I think, 10 or 11, and we were in the car, and he says to me, Dad, 
I wanted to work at McDonald's, would you be happy with for me? And I said, is that what you want to do? If that's what you want to do, then yes, I'd be very happy for you. And he turned to me and he said, you're a bad dad. You're just terrible. <laughs> and I said, why? You know, working at McDonald's for you might be the thing that bolsters you to greatness or to doing something else. He's like, no, that's a bad answer. And I said, and plus, I know that you're not going to want to work else. <laughs> so then he says to me, well, okay, okay, okay. Let's say you had another son. And I said, what's his name? He's like, that's irrelevant. I said, he said, John, John. <laughs> I said, okay. And he said, well, what if John wanted to work at McDonald's? I said, well, what is John? Is it something that he wants to do? Would it make him happy? He's like, you're just terrible. <laughs> so as a father, my goal is my goal is and was to and his mom too is to continue to give him the experience and the guidance that helps him to be a good person as well as mm -hmm. help him to fulfill the things that he wants to in life so my oldest son is a junior at stanford university and is doing well, loving it, and is wants to be a project, uh, a design, product designer, as well okay. as minor in computer science. So, you know, along that, that technical arena. My youngest son, and both of them are both left brain and right brain, because my oldest son also is has drawn some great artistic things as well as done some amazing STEM stuff. Uh -huh. My youngest son is at Columbia University as a freshman and is doing well there. He wants to do maybe poly political science or okay. maybe uh, something in English. He writes beautifully as well as does some amazing artwork and is a is really good at stem also and so again left brain right brain so as a father i am very lucky and i feel very fortunate to have two great kids that are hard workers and that also are really good hearted. Uh, again, both of my kids are, well, my oldest son is an introvert, but he also uh -huh. understands the power of relationships. And so as he goes through college, he has friends that he studies with. He has friends that sometimes they'll do classes together and they are supportive of each other and my youngest son has those same kinds of characteristics that it's not let me just sit here and just kind of grind through it but let me create a community in which we'll all win i remember calling up my youngest son and saying hey you know how's it going he's like oh it's going okay i'm helping a friend of mine you know with an essay that they're writing so uh -huh. it really is about that collaboration Okay, well that's that's dope. Yeah. It <clears throat> so it makes me want to tell one story and then one thought. Yes. So one story, um, when I was fresh out of college, I was working with this program with a guy and he was like, Would you ever get with a janitor? Right. And I was like, um, does he always want to be a janitor? And he was like, Well, what do you mean? I said, well, okay, I don't have a problem getting with a janitor, but someone who has goals and aspirations to do more. You know, like, there's no problem being a janitor. You have to be a janitor, great. But do you want your own janitorial service? Are you just going to work with this person? Or do you have a goal to actually own your own business? Or do you want to work for multiple buildings or one building? You know, for me, it's not the job you have. It's the goals you have. It's what you're trying to accomplish or, you know, what you want to do in life. And, um I don't think he ever heard that type of answer because I guess most women were like, no, I don't want to be with a janitor. And I was like, well, you know, 
you have me as a janitor, cool. I just want to know what your goals are. What do you, what's your plan? You know? And, um, and then two, I started off late with kids. So I only, my son will be two on Friday, actually. Oh. And um, I started this podcast years ago as a TV show, a local show. And I was always like, I just like to meet people in STEM. I want to learn more about STEM. This is why I do what I'm doing. I want to share people's story. Now, you know, I mean, I've got some years, but as he grows older, I want to be like, listen, I have met 200 people that you have met growing up. You have like your pick of the litter of what type of job you want to do or what you want to learn or how you want to do it. And yeah, what a, the podcast is STEM, but there's other people I've met, entrepreneurs and pilots and all that other stuff that I'm like, dude, when you're like 15, 16, all I ask is you intern, pick one, <laughs> intern, see if you like it. You know, hopefully by the time you go to college, you already know what you want to do because you've seen it. You've been a part of it. You've experienced it. So that's also my goal for, you know, 14 years down the line when he's about 16. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Just to give him, it, give, give him any opportunity. One of the things that I will also say is that when I was very young, my mom said, you know, you're going to get a PhD. You're going to get a PhD. You're going to get a PhD. So it was not a question of was I going to get a PhD? It was more of where. So, right. so I would say also uh, people on the call too, that if you are looking to, if you are looking to go on and get advanced degrees or if, well, if you're looking to go on and get advanced degrees, I'd say it's never too late. And if you have advanced degrees, I would also say talk with other people about the advantages that you've seen of those, because we need uh -huh. more people that have advanced degrees. And what I mean by that isn't that the, the, the reason that it, advanced degree is good is that it gives you one, um, systematic foundation for understanding a topic and then two if you go on for a phd it gives you a systematic way of learning to learn how to learn of how do you take information in very quickly and assimilate that information and it's something that then you can do something with i'm not saying that the only way of doing that is through degrees i'm saying that that's one way of doing it and that having those degrees opens up doors that you may not have access to if you don't have it. So if you want to be a university professor, it's easier to be a university professor if you have a PhD than if you don't. And there are some places that you cannot be a university professor if you don't have a PhD. So right. that's one door that it opens up and there are others that are, are possible too. Well, this hour went by very quickly. Um, thank you to everyone who has made a comment or asked a question. Um, thank you, Dr. Joseph, for joining me. I know you're on the East Coast time, so it's much later for you than it is for me. Do you have any last thing that you want to say before we go? Yes. Please, please connect with me on Dr. It's Dr. Robert Joseph on LinkedIn connect with me. Love to hear what you're about. Love to hear how you're doing. You know, I am somebody that you can ask a question of. I try and get back to people. If I don't get back to you, LinkedIn, sometimes I get bombarded by a lot of things on LinkedIn. If I don't get back to you right away, don't take it personally. Just ask again and <laughs> say, hey, remember, <laughs> you know, you said... <laughs> So I would say that, and it's again, Dr. Robert Joseph. You put that in, and I'll pop up right at the top. Uh, this has been a pleasure, Kat. Thank you very much for inviting me, and I am sure we'll be talking in the future and uh, working on stuff together and making making a difference in people's lives. So, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> so now he has to get on LinkedIn. 
why aren't you on LinkedIn? Okay. So everyone's on LinkedIn, I think. It's professional Facebook. So please get on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you, everyone. Go ahead. I was going to say that talk about relationships. You really do need to be on LinkedIn, you, you know, because that is where a lot of professionals are and a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. to create relationships that are uh, deep and amazing uh, in terms of careers and in terms of, of sort of that work workforce development piece. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for um, everything that you have talked about tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time out. And um, I'm going to tell everyone, have a happy, happy Wednesday. Yep. And have a safe and happy Thanksgiving too. Absolutely.